Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to the second episode uh, of Up the Slope. Uh, we're recording on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it is this week. Thursday, Goodness Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, just given where we are in the month, given it's sort of early February, we thought we'd just do a wee bit of a look back on the transfer window and uh, what's, what's, what's come and what's gone over the last month and take a wee bit of a, a delve into how we think the club have performed and into some of the newer signings. Actually, one of the, the newest signings was just made literally at half-time during uh, our most, most recent game, so we'll maybe touch on him just a wee bit. But we plan to walk through just each area of the pitch and then just we'll do a wee review at the end just to see how we think it's, uh, it's worked out. Just to remind you just how these episodes are going to work going forward, we'll put them out probably every couple of weeks and we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get you folks to... Uh, suggest some topics or things that you'd like us to discuss, but I think without further ado, we'll just we'll just crack on with it and start. So in the uh, in the forward positions, we had a couple of outs and one in. Um, two two two. Um, I suppose fairly notable outs in Momadou Bojang leaving pretty early on in the window. Feels like a lifetime ago now that doesn't it? Like uh, that Momadou Bojang left. I know, yeah, because. Uh, Obviously, we we started the window with that whole uh, debacle and fiasco with Bojang kind of uh, being mistreated. Uh, can we put that in air quotes? Um, uh, yeah, no. And then we got to the end of the window, and as you say, we brought in that American boy. So it's kind of a polar polar loans, hopefully, because obviously Bojang went about as bad as it could have done. And hop, hop uh, should I say, it looks like quite a hopeful signing. So yeah, no. Um, glad. No, no offense to Momadou, but glad to see the back of him and. Yeah, hopefully, that, like I think, I think a, a call of quite a few of the players was needed, and I think he was top of quite a few people's hit list, to be honest. Yeah, we'll always have that miss at Kilmarnock and the miss at Livingston to look back on and remember fondly. Mm-hmm. I look forward to like in about seven or eight years' time on Twitter when we've all forgotten about it, that clip resurfacing of them running through on goal and then it being replaced by like various things and objects and items flying over the bar as he gets there. I know the shot didn't fly over the bar, but I just think it will change and the story will become grand and grander as the years go on. Yeah. And the, the type of thing as well, I think um, he's one of those ones that will be perfect for a high beast quiz somewhere during the year. And you're like, who on earth is he talking about? And then you'll be like, Mr. Sitter against Kamarko. You're like, oh, Bojang, that's the yeah. one. That's I've, one. I've got him lined up for guess who, but I've got to wait another <laughs> three or four years before I can mention his name again, I think, yeah. without being in front of everyone's mind. Um, the, the other out was, was maybe slightly more surprising, I suppose, for some, because he has featured pretty frequently this season, but in terms of volume and minutes, it's not been particularly heavy. Elias Melkerson's joined uh, on loan to Sparta Rotterdam in the Eredivisie. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, because I said it at the time, right? So I'm just going to kneel my colours to the mask with this one. The phrase seven figure fee was a PR piece of genius because ultimately it kind of flipped, I suppose, about how a lot of people felt about this particular loan move. What was your take on the decision to let Melkerson go on loan to Sparta Rotterdam? 
I found it quite frustrating, to be honest, because I'm like I'm one of those ones that even like I, th- I think most of my hopes on Mel Christian, same with everybody else, it's kind of in his boat as such, and kind of pin on that one day at Motherwell away. But I just think honestly, on that day, like his ceiling's just so high that we could definitely get to that level again. Um, but yeah, as as you say, the the loan. As I said, like he could score ten goals for Sparta before the end of the season, and they're not going to bid over a million for him. Like if they want him, they'll probably get him for like I don't know, maybe we'll break even on that. Um, but yeah, not the the low move for me. It just didn't really make sense. I think that especially we're we're still like thin up front. I know we've brought Hop in, but I just mm. with with Foyle out, it just would have been nice to have that bit of depth because there's a few players that don't really seem particularly trusted. Um why the current management team. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was a funny one. I, I, I think he was a nice player to have in and around the squad, especially because he's versatile enough to kind of play across the front three. And um, there's a couple other members of the squad that have featured in those positions that I don't think are quite up to Melkerson's level. Um, yeah. But, yeah, what's what's your thoughts on it? I know, like, if I were to remove the um, tag of one million plus, uh, what's what's your thoughts on the Melkerson moving out? So... so. My, my, my thing with Melkerson is that he definitely has got something, right? But I think, unfortunately, he fails to demonstrate that something that he's got on such a regular basis that I find it really hard to kind of defend him from criticism. And he's in some ways, he's kind of got the same problem as Harry McCurdy, albeit he's a very different kind of player. But they are very, very different in style. So before anyone kind of pulls me up on saying that they're similar, that Neither of them have the physical attributes to play as a lone striker in a three, and neither of them are suited to playing on the wing, in my opinion. So it's like where do you, the conundrum of where do you put them in the team? The thing that probably gets McCurdy in the team ahead of Melkerson is his work rate. If you put him in the wing, at least he'll he's going to work both ways. He's going to track. He's going to track his runners. He's going to fight for the ball. He's going to scrap for second balls in a lot of the games that are quite scrappy, whereas Melkerson's just not that kind of player. I kind of feel for him because I think he probably came here thinking, based on the season he'd had in the sort of Norwegian second division, that he was going to come here and pull up trees. It hasn't happened for him. If we lost him in the summer, I'd be all right with it. But my preference would be for him to go and hit the ground and have a good time at Sparta Rotterdam and come back the road next season and find a way of getting in the team and scoring goals. Yeah, I think the thing is with most players, like if they've got a good attitude, you're always kind of gunning for them to do well. So I think for me, because I've met Melkerson at like the players' night last year, and then just every time he's in interviews or whatever, he comes across as such a nice player. So you want him to do well. So I do think if he does hit the ground running and he does come back a better player, then lucky us. But there was such a big fee paid for such a young player. So I think there's a lot of weight on his shoulders. It probably he like hasn't warranted like he played well in the second tier in Norwegian football but if you pay big money in, in Hibs terms fans are going to expect big things um, yeah. so yeah I just hope we don't make a massive loss on him because that would just be terrible for all parties involved Aye I hope not and I'd, like, I, th- I think even if even if he doesn't it looks as though I think he's maybe picked up an injury at Sparta Rotterdam because I don't think he's been involved um, but he, he, even if it wasn't to work out over there, I would like to think he would. He's still kind of done enough to come back here and warrant being in and around the sort of first team setup and seeing how he goes. 
Um, they're flying high in the, the the Dutch league at the moment. I think sixth place for them is is pretty unusual for them to be that high up the table. They've got another Norwegian guy um, at the club, Tobias Lauritsen, who's a bit older, who I think Aberdeen have been linked with on a couple of occasions. A big sort of tall, kind of rangy striker um, who I don't think is particularly prolific in front of goal, but is more of a kind of one of those centre-forwards that kind of gets in the team because he makes the players around them better. So maybe maybe if the two of them can play up in a two, that would help him um, a bit. But fingers crossed, fingers crossed he comes back better. Um, look, let's move on to, let's, let's finally talk about an incoming. And we alluded to this one already because he, he, he first appeared in the uh, <laughs> the Hibs Twitter sphere at halftime during the game against Ross County. Matthew Hop, or Matthew, I've heard it pronounced Matthew Hoppy as well. Hoppy. Um I don't know if that's just Americans being American, pronouncing it hoppy, but um, that that is that is his name. Choose, choose, choose to call him what you wish. Centre forward, um, twenty one years old. Looks as though he could potentially maybe play play across the front three in different positions as well. So got a bit of versatility. Um, what have you made of that signing so far, based on what you've seen? So the the signing itself, I, I don't hate. I think um, he had one pretty. Well, to be to be fair, for a youngster at the time, he had a one very good season in the Bundesliga, where I think he hit seven goals in one season. Um, which Bundesliga is, is a hard is a hard league. Um, it's one of those leagues that's kind of developed into normally one talisman gets most of the goals for the players. Um, ah. so him managing to chip in with that many is pretty decent, especially in a Schalke team that wasn't the best at the time. They got wrong, um, they got relegated that season. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then obviously he's kind of had other spells where he's not really. S- scored too many goals he's got a nice he's got a nice highlight reel but he's one of those ones i'm i'm kind of jury's out on because realistically we have had a few nice lone strikers across the years um like obviously if you look at lee griffiths and stuff um but we've also had a few stinkers uh, in the forward position um and just thinking of players that have come with a bit of pedigree like obviously nathan wood came down last year defender not an attacker but you know so um, I'm going to wait a couple of games. I'm, I'm I'm hopeful for him because, as I said, in the highlight reel, he looks like he's got composure. He looks like he's got a bit of pace that he can get in behind. Um, but I don't want to get my hopes right up to then see him play and just completely flop, which has happened time and time again. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm hesitantly excited. I think that's a, a good way to phrase it. In some respects, the jury should always be out on new signings, yeah. right? Like you, should always, you should always be thinking, this, this could go one of many, many ways. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think the only thing that maybe concerns me a wee bit is the fact that he hasn't really played an awful lot of football the last couple yeah. of seasons. You look at it, he played, I think, six league games the season prior to this season, and then he's played six league games, most of them off the bench for Middlesbrough in the Championship. So he's he's kind of come in probably lacking a bit of sharpness. Um, it's going to take him time to build up. But then the time that he is ready and sharp again, you know, Kukurevic will potentially be yeah. kind of back in contention so it might be one of these ones that we don't see a huge amount of but it's more to give us some cover and forward positions um, so hopefully a win-win hopefully. and then and from from Ewan's perspective I know he's not on this with us today but I think he scored five and five in the Premier League too um, so Ewan will be absolutely buzzing <laughs> if, if that, uh, if I'm Ewan's not mistaken um, proper hard on for the English reserve league doesn't he <laughs> Sean Mackey in the English Reserve League is two favourite things. And Phil Foden, actually. I thought uh, he loves Phil Foden. Oh um, things Ewan loves. Right. Um, so, in the attacking position, are we stronger or, or weaker then, do you think, than we were I'd, going into the window? Being honest, like I, f- I think you real Bojang out. I'd say that's good business getting rid of him, even though it was bad business to bring him over in the first place. Um, Melkerson and Hop 
well, I'm going to call him Hop for now until I hear him say other otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would I would probably put par for par. So I wouldn't say we've weakened. I'd say we've brought in a guy to replace the guy we got rid of. But which I don't think is terrible for me. I don't think strikers what I, I wanted us to bring in. Um, so I'm not mm. particularly bothered by the impact that's been had uh, on the front three. Cool. Solid. Right. Okay. Yeah. Rationale. Solid. Are, are we um, doing numbers or are we just doing justifications? We just I feel do numbers are a bit we'll cliches. Do a, num- yeah. do a number yeah. at the end. Do numbers okay. at the end. Okay. Okay. Or maybe maybe we can even grade them like your old Ooh, kind of school well, marks. Like yeah, yeah. We can grade them. Um, <laughs> Right, let's let's jump to a random different part of the pitch. This one should be pretty easy to cover off because there's been no ins, but there's been two outs. Um, Kevin Dabrowski and Ryan Schofield out. Nobody in. Um, Ryan Schofield. Sum up Ryan Schofield's time at Hibernian FC. Um, just just like that uh, BBC uh, game show, pointless. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was absolutely no need for him to come. Um, I, 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 obviously, we had um, Kev out injured, so that that was that was justification for bringing him in. Um, but yeah, no, I'd, as I said, I can't remember what it was. I said maybe a month or so ago, um, if I was director of football, first thing I'd do is punt Schofield and Fish. Fish at the time's obviously hopefully proven me wrong, but Schofield, um, he got dumped out to Crawley Town, I think now. Um, oh, exactly, he's gone. Yeah, so that, that shows plays, the level eh? that player's at. Yeah, just not, not for us, man, not for us. I mean, it's so hard. Like, someone that's never played, it's like impossible to really like give a, an honest assessment on them. But uh, I, it is, the, un, without doubt, the most unexciting signing a football club can make. <laughs> a second choice goalkeeper oh. sitting on the bench that you never get to see play. Um, rank him up there along with Dylan Barnes, who I think we, we marked as red when we did that trans- uh, Ron Gordon era transfer review. <laughs> like, just put him in that same category. Yeah. Yeah. All right, goalie. That was that was really straight. Well, no, actually, no. Let's talk about Dubrovsky quickly because I know yeah. that's another guy that you have a bit of an affinity with. Um, yeah, we had the same goal. I, I think I think so. like it's it's difficult because realistically, you've got um, David Marshall, who's um, obviously came in as a like former Scottish internationalist, got a very esteemed career, and then the thing is for me, I would much rather see the likes of Murray Johnson, who's kind of been pitched uh, to the fans as like this next generational goalkeeper. Um, so for me, it makes sense for him to kind of naturally fill in the like either third or second slot. Um, I think Dabrowski, as much as he was a fan, like cult hero, just because of how like mentally was, um, probably his his ceiling isn't quite Hibs um, as much as I don't think he'd done too much wrong uh, between the sticks for us. Um, but yeah, no, because obviously he had that Derby performance where he got dumped in last minute and he played a blinder. Um, but yeah, no, for, for me, it's probably the right decision, even though I don't like to admit it. I was, I was a big Kev Dabrowski fan, so he goes with my very best wishes. But yeah, I, yeah, it makes me a wee I'm, bit sad. I'm not going to ask for this one whether you think we're stronger or weaker because I don't really think that's like an appropriate or fair question to ask. So we'll move, we'll move, we'll move on. Let's let's move on to midfield because there's been a fair bit of movement in the midfield. So, so leaving the club in in in, in January, uh, Nohan Kenna, Dimitri Mitchell. I've classed him as a midfielder. I know someone will reply saying, "Oh, but he played wing back mostly, but he he was a midfielder." Um, Steve Bradley also left to go to Livingston and has, has been getting some minutes there. I think he was maybe actually on the bench last night, but started a few games there at Livingston, so good for him. And then only in in the midfield department, as far as I'm aware, James or Jimmy. Let's go with Jimmy. I quite you like Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, it's catchy. Jim, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Jago. <laughs> so let's let's take the end first to do things in a slightly different order. Jimmy Jago, what have you made of him so far? And do you think 
based on the fact he's got an 18-month deal, do you think he's going to be someone that we're going to become quite reliant on over the next period of time? Um, being honest, I'm, I'm quite a fan of him. I, I don't I don't think he's set the ground alight, but I think in the position he's in, he's not supposed to set the ground alight. Um, I think he's come in, he's put himself about, he's done a good job at kind of sitting between the midfield and defence, um, not really having to do too much with the, the way that the games have played since he's came in. Um, but I don't think he's made any errors leading to goals. I don't think that his positional awareness has been poor at all. So for me, I, th- I think he's, he's ticked the boxes so far. I don't think he's excelled. Um, for me... There, there was a certain present, like the person that he's obviously getting compared to lots of Milligan. And for me, I was, I was a huge Mark Milligan fan. Um, but I think he had a certain presence to his game that yeah. I don't think Jago's quite got. Um, and the Australian that, holding midfielders, that's yeah. kind of where the similarities end. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because the, th- the thing is, like, I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a fan of a, um, the, the bastard player that kind of comes and breaks up football doesn't really play football but um af- after they've done their job it makes everybody else's life easier and i think that jekyll's quite a bit better at that at the moment than kenna is um mm. it, just because he's got that extra bit of zip in the ball that kenna seems to be lacking well he's, he seems to be finding it well based on the one performance for county but he was lacking at hibs so yeah for, for me jekyll is he's got pass marks so far he's, he's not hitting that top top grade but he's definitely um on a good trajectory for me so i mean it's hard i mean he is but you're, you're obviously recording this and he's only made uh three i think two or three three two, appearances yeah, two, yeah. two appearances three appearances um but it's really hard to judge anyone on the basis of a few games but I, there's been there's been bits that i've seen that i've liked and there's been some some bits that i think maybe maybe point to why he's he's ended up at hibs um i i think, <laughs> I think just speaking really speaking really um, this isn't this isn't necessarily a criticism, but just something I've noticed is maybe just slightly lacking in athleticism. But I don't think necessarily we're not talking about we're playing at the most elite level of football where yeah. older midfielders need to be hugely athletic all of the time. Actually, sometimes they just need to know where's the right place to be. I mean, you can make up for a lack of athleticism in terms of good positional sense and being at the right place at the right time. So. Hopefully that stands him in good stead. Uh, fingers crossed. I think he's one that maybe can, like you say, can make the other players around them better because they're able to focus on maybe some of the more attacking facets of the game. Um, so we've, we've had three that have left. Kenna, going to Ross County. Um, think he'll do well. think he'll do well there. I think the way Ross County play, um, sitting quite deep, because the, the reason I think that Kenna got taken out the team as Hibs were doing their best to kind of be on the front foot at all times and kind of press opposition players. Um, and that's just not Ross County. Um, I, I think I think Ken will do well there because I think the system there suits him a bit better. Um, he actually had a bit of freedom as well. He was he was drifting out to the wing quite a few times. Um, I've got a couple of friends that support Ross County very randomly. Um, and they were saying that they were just impressed by kind of how much he covered the entire pitch. I don't think that was something he really done much for Hibs. He kind of stuck in that same quarter of the field um but yeah no I, I, I think he'll have a good end of the season I don't know if it how well that'll transition if he does end up staying in Hibs' squad next year or gets himself another loan um but yeah, I, I don't think at the time I was annoyed because we didn't have Jago then and we didn't really have any rumors of anybody coming in to replace Kenna um so for me it, it makes it makes sense in hindsight so yeah I'm, I'm not too displeased with the move what, what was your thoughts do you think County's the right place or would you rather seen him play a bit more of a progressive team no, no, I think I'm, I'm glad to see. I think that's the right move from another team at this this sort of level and in this league. I think it's the right place for him to learn. I think he might have struggled going into um, 
yeah, I think he might have struggled going into a team that plays a similar sort of style to us. I, I also just think there's there's no huge number of suitors that you're going to have out there for a kind of 19, 20 year old holding midfield player who's got 15 league appearances behind them. So yeah. I think I think it's a good move for all for all parties to be honest. And I hope he does well there. I really do. I, I still. I, there was a few games earlier on the season where I just think he noticeably, to your point about Jaguar earlier on, did make players around him better. And I know that there are there are very clear and obvious limitations to Kenner's yeah. game, but I, I, I'm not. I don't. I, I need some convincing to be told that there are things that can't be developed, yeah, like definitely. passing the ball, for example. I know that's an issue. Maybe maybe how long he wants in possession at times as well. I think those are all things that can be developed. He's got the physical attributes, and I think if you've got that as a starting point, you've always got a chance. Um, one that there was no real like, <laughs> I don't think there's any tears for for this individual leaving the club. Dimitri Mitchell, very promising starter. I actually have to say when he first joined the club in his debut against Livingston, but combination of injuries and you know maybe some. Maybe some issues with with attitude as well. Um, I say maybe because we obviously don't know everything that goes on behind closed doors, but just a really underwhelming sign. Yeah, because the thing is, I think he came back in and um, I just I, he made a couple of cameo appearances and he just didn't seem arsed. Um, I think it's very uh, obvious when a player's not playing at a hundred percent of their effort, and that that for me shown through with um, Mitchell. I, I I think realistically, he's probably been told by the manager he's not part of the plans, and that's probably hit him the wrong way. And instead of trying to prove him wrong and earn a spot in the team, he's taken a huffy and went on Instagram trying to sell his clothes and move away down south. There's there's ways to do things, and he went about it completely the wrong way. Um, because realistically, in, in his short time last season, I was impressed by him. I thought he was one of the few players I would have wanted like prominently in the squad the next season. Um, obviously picked up quite a long term injury, but football football's a very cutthroat sport, and if you're spending time feeling sorry for yourself instead of trying to prove people wrong, um, you're not going to get very far. And I think that uh, Mitchell's fallen victim to that, and. I think realistically fans were happy to see him go in the end because <laughs> it was one of those dodgy contracts that we've handed out to a few players um, and it's 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 a very good thing we've managed to ship him off because if not, he would have just rotted in the reserves happily taking the money every week. Happy days. Thank you, Gary Caldwell. <laughs> you actually did something for us. <laughs> Gary Caldwell, Exeter oh. City. Um Steve, Steve Bradley, just really quickly, because I know this is another player that, yeah. that you 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 have been a champion of. And I think I think to be honest, I'm, you, you're in danger of being one of the almost like a lone champion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know it was it was predominantly based on the one performance against Hamilton, but he's one of those players that's kind of always floated around. And like, I always thought in preseason friendlies, they always looked good. I think even in the preseason this year, I think he may played in one game before he went off on loan. And I just I always thought he was up for it. I always like for me, any form of pacey player that can carry the ball well um, can typically do well at any level. Um and I just I just wanted to see him given a chance realistically before he moved on. Um it's not something that we got, so as well as Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's good that he's gone to Livingston, he's playing football. I think ultimately we we look at it through the lens of what's the best thing for the football club, but Sometimes it's just about, for me, what's best for the player's career. And I think the best thing for him was to go and go somewhere where he was going to play minutes. And and he's loving and I've made a long-term commitment to him. I'm not someone who's going to get upset every time he has a good game for Livingston and say we should never let him go. I'm just going to look at it for what it is and say it's a good move for good move for the boy. And David Martindale 
typically, as we've talked about, gets gets a lot from the players that he works with. So he might get them the very the very maximum out of Stevie Bradley and he goes on to do well at Livy. Um, best of luck to him. Right. This is the contentious one. We kind of purposely left this to last because <laughs> because of really because of our inactivity. And we wanted to try and keep this relatively kind of upbeat and positive. But from a defensive perspective, we'll talk about the outs first. Ryan Porches has gone out, um, clearly a big loss. Jack Bryden has gone to Queen of the South and Jao Baldi um, has, has gone out as well. Um, we put him in the list. He's never featured for the Hibs first team, but I suppose he, he adds a bit of context. We're probably not going to talk about Jao Baldi because I don't think yeah. either of us can really talk. Best wishes, knowledge. but no, no clue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan Porches has left. Jack Bryden's gone. Rocky Bashiri has got a long-term injury. Why didn't we sign another centre-half? Um, one one great we mentioned a couple of pods ago um, that I've got is the, the recruitment team in theory doesn't stop. The, it's not like the window opens and the team turns on and then the window closes and the team turns off. Um, Ryan Porches announced that he was officially leaving the club in October, I believe it was, just before the World Cup. Um, that gives them two, well, if you include January, three months um, to try and recruit someone to at least um, fill that gap by the end of the season. I don't think um, Porches wanted to stay until the end of the year and he probably made that clear to the club. Um, I'm, I'm not having it that Porches shot us in the foot at all. I think the club planned very poorly and the fact that he's, that we've genuinely been weakening um, the defensive area off the back of a transfer window, I think by my calculations, it's nine transfer windows in a row. It's It's beyond laughable. It's beyond... A joke. Um, it's it's just ridiculous, mate. I, I don't understand how they've not managed to identify a player in three months. Like, what what are they actually doing in that team? It's it's an obvious void in the team that needed filled, and it's not been um, one injury there. And who who plays at the back? Do, do, do you know the wild? Do you know the wild thing about this is we know that we were in for Stuart Finlay. Um, I can't even remember if it was last summer or if it was last January, but we've been in for Stuart Finlay previously, right? Left side and centre half. And we've not signed, as I pointed out in Twitter yesterday, we've not signed a left footed centre half since we signed Liam Fontaine in 2014, <laughs> um, which is now coming on for nine years ago. Like, why were we going back in for Stuart Finlay? Like, surely there are other, and nothing against Stuart Finlay, by the way, I, I, I only really remember. From his time at Kilmarnock and under Steve Clark, and I, th- I thought he was really decent, so I don't have any. I, I have no no issue with us looking at him as a signing. Why are we going back to the same target again after failing to land him? Like, have, have we not moved on? Have we not got any new opportunities or new targets? Because it seems like basically every player that we were linked with that wasn't Stuart Finlay was then rubbished by Patrick McPartland very shortly afterwards and therefore you'd probably look into that and say we're not really interested in that person in the first place and the, the thing is for me like with that Portugal boy that we were linked with like it must be known across Europe that Hibs need a centre back <laughs> like if, that, if that's literally <laughs> been rubbish by Patrick McPartland it's like as quickly as it's been made a rumour like it's just uh, absolute nonsense. As, as you say, like Findlay, I, I, I think that'd be a great signing. I, I think he's, I think he's a good, not great player, but that's kind of centre back level I was expecting to bring in. Um, and I, I just think he would have filled the void of Porches leaving pretty well. Um, but yeah, not to, it's, it's just scary, mate. I just, I don't know how they've managed to mess it up this badly. 
I think I think the thing with Finlay is he's played twenty odd games for Oxford this season. Um, so he'd come in and he'd be ready to come in and play. And I think a lot of January windows about short termism and just kind of fixing until the end of the season. I do think he actually could be a, one of those ones that comes in, does well over six months, and then actually does well beyond that too. Um, I just think there's an opening really in the team. You know, Paul Hanlon's getting to a, you know, a stage where he's he is he is injured. He's playing through injury, quite frankly, at the moment to, to keep keep things going. So to not have another left foot centre half in there just feels feels kind of feels bonkers to me at this point. Um, the signing of a guy like Finlay as well would kind of be in some respects going back to our old sort of maybe not model, but kind of the kind of profile of player that we would look at. You know, like a Scottish guy that's played in Scotland, done well in Scotland, gone abroad or gone down to England for a period, done okay, but maybe not shot the lights out and then comes back up and is really successful again and gets the bit back between his teeth. I think on that basis, I was really supportive of us trying to go out and get him, but doesn't seem to have happened. We are really short at centre-back. Um, but listen, let's let's move on to talk about the, the one acquisition that we've made in that area. So CJ Egan Riley, I think he's kind of been pegged as being pretty versatile, sort of can play centre-back, right-back or holding midfield. He obviously came on against Ross County a couple of days ago. Loan signing, end of the season, plug some short-term gaps. Could I'll, you do more I'll... than that? Could you bet on that? The, the thing is, for me, I, th- I think the worst possible position to bring a lone player in is a young centre-back because it's a very tricky position to be thrown in on and make a positive impact without being under immense levels of pressure. Like, you know, you know, if you're a striker and you come in, you score a goal, you can get away with not really doing much in your performance. If you're a centre-back, you can have a lights-out performance. If you make one clangor and it leads to a goal, then you're shit, you know? Like, Nathan Wood had one game on loan at Hibs and... Uh, had a very bad performance and he got chased down the road and now he's doing pretty well for himself at Swansea City, you know? Like, uh, based on that one performance, I, I didn't want him to play again. But, yeah, it's it's one of those players, like, Burnley fans want him to do well. They paid a decent chunk of money for him um, and they've they've said that he, he carries the ball well, he's composed, he should be a good player in the Scottish game. He's very physical. Um, we're, we're yet to see it, not, not, not a slight on him, but... It's it's worrying for me if you're replacing the best centre back you've had in the past ten years with a kid who's not got any Scottish experience, um, because the game here plays a lot differently than it plays in other places. And yeah, for for me, it's it's just not a good move to bring a player in at the end of a transfer window with no form of training camp, getting them used to the squad. You know, it's it's just risky. It's it just screams to me absolute risk. Um, which as as we said, the likes of a Findlay wouldn't have been. I think that would be quite a surefire sign. But this one. Obviously, we live in hope and he gets our full support. But for me, it's it's not a nice situation for him to be in. I'm sure he'll relish it, but yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite a kind of crazy scenario to say we've got two. So we've got three centre-halves at the moment at the club who are fit. We've got Egan Riley, who's 19, I believe. Will Fish, who's 19 or 20. And Paul Hanlon, who will turn 33 this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> those who've listened to the podcast for long enough will know that G goes on obsessively about age gap and how that's important to close the age gap between the two centre halves. I think from a from a playing perspective, but also from a sort of long term planning point of view as well, and making sure that you've got kind of contingency plans and succession plans for guys that are going to move on. I've got to be honest. 
if I think now, I didn't think this earlier on in the season because I, I thought it was less of an issue. I think if anything is going to be our Achilles heel between now and the end of the season, it'll be centre of defence. Um, because the only like centre, it's one of those things. If you if you can attack well and you can get a lot of things going moving forward, if you can outscore your opposition and people tend like remind that season where. Um, we were like conceding three against Kilmarnock, but we won five three. What a performance! Aye. We conceded five against Rangers, but we scored five. What a performance! You know, it's one of those things if we can and attacking wise, we are scoring goals at the moment, so it's something that we could potentially cover. But as soon as, as you say, as, as soon as we start losing games again, it is going to be because of that defense, in my opinion. I, I don't think we'll stop making chances, but I think we'll start looking quite a few goals. And I, I don't necessarily know if it's for the blame of the people that are there because like it is quite a short supply of. Of, of recruits at the centre back position. So, so I wasn't I wasn't going to mention this because it, it could be one of these things that's here today and just gone tomorrow. But Mikey Devlin is we understand training at the club based on pictures that we've seen surfacing on Twitter today. He's a guy who's I think he's played a handful of games maybe for Fleetwood this season, but really over the last sort of five years hasn't managed to amass any more than sort of twenty appearances. <sighs> Is that a sign of how desperate we are to bring someone in that position? I mean, if like the, the caliber of Bailey Wright, who we were looking at again as another player that like has played consistent football, maybe isn't um, first choice, but in my opinion, could come in quite easily and do a job, like just pick up, pick him up, and dump him in a different system. Um, but thank you, Devlin. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not the type of thing that'll that'll get me overly excited, to be honest, and. It, it still wouldn't, as, as you say, I, th- I think that would be more of a panic purchase than a, um, oh, here's our plan for Porches leaving. We've got this really solid centre-back coming in. I'm, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a free agent sign, isn't it? I mean, it's a guy that's out of contract and I'd, I've not seen him play for a very, very long time. I know he was a very decent centre-half at this level at one point in time. Um but like I say, it's been a long time. I don't know if I even ever saw him play for Aberdeen because I felt like he never played for Aberdeen, but I did see him play for Hamilton quite a bit. I d- the free agent market is difficult, right? You're not going to pick yeah. up. There's going to be reasons that guys are sitting on the scrap heap in February without a contract. So anyone you pick up is probably going to have their limitations. I'm just really disappointed personally that we've let it get to, let it get to this stage where we, we don't have a centre-half in the building. Um to come to come in and compete and actually probably to come and take some of the burden away from the likes of Paul Hanlon who is going to be expected to play a lot and even Will Fish you know he is going to have times where I think this season with his form is going to be up and down he's a young guy centre half you know maybe a bit cliched to say they probably suffer more from fluctuations in form than anyone else and I I'm just I think we're a bit short. Look, I'm not going to ask you whether or not you think we're stronger or weaker in that area because, like, I sense I sense the mood in the room. It's really not difficult to sense the mood in the room, but I do I do want to just quite touch on really quickly. So, based on kind of where we were on thirty first of December, heading into you know month of January, we've seen a lot of players leave. So. You know, in terms of kind of trimming down the wage bill and, and reducing the squad size, which Johnson talked about wanting to do, and they've done it. So that's a positive. Do you now think we're in a better place or a worse place than we were on the 31st of December? It is, it is honestly a tricky one. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to surprise a lot of people, but I'm, I'm probably going to say that we're in a slightly better position. Um, I, th- I, th- I think 
with with a squad the size we had, I think there's probably going to be a lot of negative chirps from a lot of players. Um, and I think that even by getting rid of players, it might not have necessarily been negative. I think that it gets people a bit more confident of getting their place and getting in and around the team. Um, I also think that it opens the door for a few younger players to get involved in the first team setup. Um, frustratingly, we've kind of got that golden generation of attackers coming through as opposed to a golden generation of centre-backs, which would have been ideal. Um, but for for me, uh, I, I don't think... I think it's marginal, but I think we're marginally in a better position. Um, and this, that from it's kind of more of a long-term thing. I, I think we did have a few contracts that we needed to get rid of. We got rid of one of the really bad ones. Um, and as, as you say, I, I think towards the summer, I, I think the squad, uh, we, we need a rebuild, realistically. Um, and I think we're in a better position to do that now come uh, end of the season in May than we were at the start of December. Um, oh, sorry, at the cool. end of December. So, yeah. I'd, I'd say marginally better, but not too much in it, to be honest. Though. Okay, cool. No, good answer. Look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the other side of the fence, and and, and I don't think it's a massive step back, but I do I do think we are weaker. I think Porteous, of course, was yeah. a starter for us, irrespective of what position he he played. We've lost Ryan Porteous. Um, the, the only player that I think that's come in that will start pretty much every game will be Jago. Yeah. So we've, we've lost the starter move, we signed the starter. You could argue we really needed someone in that old midfield position, so that's helped us. But I would also argue we really, really need a centre-half right now and we've lost Porteous. So obviously Jury's out on Egan Riley and, 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 and Hoppy, whether or not they're, they're, they're good signings or not. And it's really, really hard to tell at this point. I'm supportive of us trimming down the squad size because I think it had got too bad, particularly when we were only competing in one competition. Yeah. So I think that was sensible. But and it's a massive but for me. I just I just think we could have and I wish we did have insert more more players into the starting lineup who are kind of real quality quality signings. Yeah, because like the thing is for me that I'll I'll say at the start of the window, I think a lot of us are saying we need to make six signings and we need to all be starting caliber. And it's Jan- January is for when you kind of hit the panic button and you need to bring in a couple of players to steady the boat. Um, I think Aye. we're we're cl- we're probably one player away at centre back from doing that. Um, obviously it's it's a big if because now we're looking pretty damn weak at centre back. But Aye. um, come come summer, that's where we can demand a lot of chopping and changing. So um, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, and and a, po- a, po- a potential positive, a positive that you you've kind of touched on is. It might it might give some opportunity to some of the younger players um, that are around the club. We, Greg and I, if you've not listened to it yet, look back at um, last week's first episode of Up the Slope where we talked about which young players we think could break into the first team in the attacking areas. You know, we've got one attacker fewer than we had before, so potentially that'll mean more minutes for Laidlaw and O'Connor. I really hope it will. Potentially at the back, you know, we could see maybe Oscar McIntyre um, and also maybe Jacob Blaney. Get some get some first team minutes under the belt or more first team minutes under the belt, which we could see, and also material some op- opportunity for Murray Aiken and clearly in goals Murray Johnson as well as you know now is David Marshall's kind of deputy for that goalkeeping position. I think that will be really great for his development, being in and around um, on match days more and poten- but you know potentially who, who knows what I'm seeing now in the end of the season potentially even playing some minutes as well. So um, that is a potential positive that we could see. Yeah. Definitely. Finally, blooding some of the youngsters. Um, 
Right, okay, just really quickly finish up. Uh, going to ask you to give like a old school A to F marking marking someone's homework for this this transfer window, and I will at the end of the season I'll come back to you on what you said about this about sure. this, and I'll hold you hold you to it. So give me a give me a rating. Well, I'm going to have to give you two because it would be, right. be I, don't, I don't want to give you the boring answer straight off, um, but I would give it regardless of what transfer window it was. Um, but the first one I'm going to do, um, if you take away the defence, um, I think we've done a lot of um, thinning of the squad that needed done. I think we brought on a good player in Jago. Um, I think we've attempted to bring in depth in areas we probably need it, um, even if we haven't. It's a couple of risks, so the, the jury's out, so I won't rate them too low. At least they've they're there to fill the position. Um so I will give them I'll give them a C minus um without without the defense. I I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because obviously if F's the bottom then you go F E blah blah blah. No, no, so it's like I'd pass say marks, slight, yeah. slight, right. slightly like you know what you need when you get 40 and then that's you pass the module, but it doesn't really feel like a pass. I'd probably say that level of pass. Um, didn't make the grade for uni, mate. I can't really. <laughs> so didn't yeah. make the cut. So like essentially, it's forty and up. That's that's a like that's how you pass and get through to the next stage. So I'll give them like forty percent. So slightly below the par, but still Solid. enough that I'm not going to crucify them. However, I said I've we've had the podcast now for five transfer windows, and each transfer window we've not addressed a desperate need for centre backs. Um, so they get an F. Um. They've, there was there was one need we had um, if Porches was to leave we need a centre back to replace him and it wasn't done it's not good enough um, and the people that are part of that recruitment team either need to give them their heads a shake or they need to move on and be replaced it is that simple Could you not say that Egan Riley is the replacement for Porches? If, if we're getting a six month replacement of a youngster that's unproven at first team level in Scotland um, then no for me that's, that's not a replacement that's an uncalculated risk Right okay an F from Harry I mean I don't really know how to follow that to be honest <laughs> so, Sorry for being negative um, but like no, I've, no, I've, no, I've no, said the whole time we need centre back so if we don't get one like, I'm not going to pass Mark if I, the basic no, grade isn't it Right I'm I'm gonna say, in spite of what you said, I'm I'm gonna give it a D, um, because I don't, I, I, I do I do think that the squad the squad size needs addressed. I just think we've addressed it in the wrong areas. Yeah, I think we should have we should have come out this with a net neutral. We should have come out with the same number of defenders that we went in with. We've come out with fewer, um, we've come out with fewer attackers. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure that's the area that I would have addressed first. But there we go. You've got the, the, the at the end of the day the thing that we've not discussed here is there's got to be takers for those players as well. Um, and you know maybe, maybe it's the case that there weren't takers for some players in certain areas of the pitch, and there were for others, and that's why we've got the squad that we've got. You know that's why there's some people who, you know, let's be honest, there's some players who folk were really calling for to leave this window who are still here. It might just have been that there weren't any takers. Indeed, man, indeed. <laughs> right. Well, on that very philosophical and kind of just rambling sort of note that we finished on, we hope you enjoyed the second episode of Up the Slope. Like I say, plan on bringing these to you fortnightly. Give us a shout if there's anything you want us to talk about. Um, we'll be back on Monday to review St Mirren. Hey, I'm on the carriage. <laughs> <laughs>